As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. This episode is brought to you today by Gusto. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for modern small businesses. You no longer have to be part of a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and a great service to take care of your team. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. You sign up today, you will get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash rocket ship again gusto.com slash rocket ship michael when i first told you about the blackland initiative what was your honest opinion being honest i i thought it was a joke um the the crypto and blockchain are buzzwords these days and to see a city like cleveland dive into it so heavily i don't know it was it was surprising okay well you've been around the crypto scene for a while so to be fair i mean you had to see something like this coming up, whether it's Cleveland or any place else, right? Yeah, I mean, I remember the early days buying Bitcoin at like $60 a coin, and we used to go down to Bank of America and deposit money into this anonymous account. And it would take 24 hours for it to show up back in your in your wallet, quote unquote. Um, and, and those were some interesting times, but you know, the the scene today is so much different than it was then. Um, I remember even building a Litecoin miner in the day and the thing was loud as hell. Um, and, and we used to, to run that during the day and, and mine Litecoin. It was just something that was fun to do. Um, but it all kind of stemmed out of this, this world that's much different than it is today. Yeah, those are some wild times. That's, that's pretty crazy. Like an anonymous account like that. And yeah, so things have definitely changed, right? I mean, I think it's been like, what, 10, 11 years. Why doubt a project like Blockland since things have evolved, so to speak? 
Yeah, well, I mean, in the early days, right, it was this rebellious spirit of, of cryptocurrency it was all based on the death of fiat currencies and upheaval in the global economy. Uh, that's where a lot of the, the kind of motivation and the, the spirit came out of this libertarian uh, worldviews. And so to see like Cleveland and the actual government of Cleveland push this forward is, you know, it, it's a bit surprising and it's a big change from the early days. Okay, I could see that. Well, today might be for you then, Michael, because today we're going to let the skeptics speak. We're going to hear from people who are actually doubting the initiative, people that have questions, people who may not be buying into all that Blockland has to sell. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. So when I went out to find folks to talk to who weren't a Blockland backer, so to speak, Brian Deegan is actually somebody that came to mind right away. Okay, so who is Brian Deegan? Well, Brian Deegan is a name that might be familiar in the Northeast Ohio startup community. Some people know him from his previous company, Notice, uh, which was a digital marketing firm that he started and it was later acquired in 2014. Uh, Now he runs another digital marketing firm called Companion Labs. But in between those two ventures, he actually started an apparel company called Human Unlimited. They made a lot of motivational type t-shirts. One of them said something like, do no harm, but take no shit. Okay, well, um, (laughs) in making shirts that, you know, say things like that, I'm not surprised Brian wasn't scared to speak his mind about Blockland. Yeah, he definitely spoke his mind. And actually, it all sort of started in a Cleveland startup community Facebook group that I'm actually a part of. Brian posted a, I'll I'll call it a colorful post, (laughs) questioning blockchain in general um, and the Blockland initiative. And maybe surprisingly, one of the first people to respond back was Bernie Marino himself. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Yes. And there actually was a lot of back and forth. But in talking to Brian more recently, Brian shared how he doesn't necessarily take issue with the initiative as a whole. He just, I guess he just takes issue with some points, some of which might actually be valid. Yeah, so I, I listened to the conversation you two had and it seemed like his big issue centered around one word, block. Right, exactly. Actually, let's go back to the beginning of his experience with Blockland. When I posted the first thing, I had zero, zero intent to jump into the discussion. I just thought it was this funny, this, I I did this, I was, I was just genuinely for myself doing research on, on blockchain uh, and just using terms like hype and bullshit and and then when I saw the Blockland Cleveland ads come up with those Google searches, I, I just it was it was kind of it was kind of funny, and then it all kicked off from there. All right, then. Well, he's uh, he's pulling no punches there. That's true. And he pondered what is the potential for blockchain in Cleveland, and what's the potential for blockchain in general, just globally. Should this actually be a thing for Northeast Ohio? And he dives deep into the technology and he he did his own analysis of what was currently developed and how it stacks up against the hype. And what he finds is, at least in his opinion, he just doesn't see the blockchain use cases outside of things like, say, financial services. From an economic development and from an entrepreneurial standpoint within Northeast Ohio, I was really just trying to kind of reconcile that 
with what is the potential blockchain opportunity, not only in Northeast Ohio, but just globally. Like what what can this thing potentially be? Because I, I, I do think the uh, some of the, the, the transformative characteristics that it has outside of financial services um, are, are maybe exaggerated a little bit or highly optimistic. And, uh, and, and so I, I was really just kind of going through a process of, of reconciling that with what the actual technology does for myself. And then I found my, myself kind of, you know, sharing that perspective, um, as, as part of a, a regional dialogue that was, that was, that was taking place. So it's not that he, he doesn't feel like blockchain has potential. He just feels like the use cases in the short term will be tied to financial companies and the blockchain conversation happening around other industries is probably, you know, it's a long way out. Yeah, I got the impression that he just felt like in general, it could be a technology fade. I mean, he referenced the rising of the Internet taking 20 years to mature and he seemed to be in the camp that there's something here, but it's going to take way longer to mature than the hype saying. And this is Brian's take. Is is he alone in questioning the merits of whether blockchain is the right thing for Northeast Ohio to, you know, bank on, so to speak? He is not alone. I mean, there definitely are others. And I've heard from quite a few who question the merits of Blockland in secret, but maybe they weren't as willing as Brian to be so vocal about it publicly. Why is that? Well, look, in fairness, I mean, the people that are driving this Blockland initiative they are the people who run Cleveland today. I mean, pushing back on those people, questioning them, whether it's perceived reality, there could be consequences to that. I mean, even asking that question around here, you are perceived as a naysayer, someone who's against the, you know, the, pot, the forward momentum in Cleveland. Wait, now, who's that? Ah, that's Sam Allard. He's a reporter for the Cleveland Scene, which is an alternative weekly newspaper that's been around here since 1970. It's sort of like Northeast Ohio's version of the Village Voice. And Sam's been covering a good bit of the Blockland Initiative. And it sounds like he shares some of Brian's you know, criticism of the effort. Yeah, you can say that. According to Sam, he and Brian aren't alone either. I mean, as somebody that's reported on Blockland, he's had people approach him and have expressed their skepticism. The two main um, areas of skepticism I've seen were one about the, the physical building itself. It's the idea, this if you build it, they will come idea. Um, Clevelanders were specifically told in a presentation by this tech guru, this tech whisperer, Chris Hively. Wait, Chris Hively? Isn't that the, the MapQuest guy? Very good, Michael. Yes, it is. Chris was actually one of the co-founders of MapQuest, which sold AOL for over a billion dollars back in the day. It was the Google Maps before, well, you know, Google Maps. Anyway, yeah. Chris now works with Techstars and several members of Northeast Ohio's startup community actually banded together to bring Techstars and Chris in to give an assessment of Northeast Ohio's startup community. Um, I was actually one of those people. And Sam happened to be at the event where Chris released his findings. He gave a presentation again at the City Club, which I thought was was pretty cogent, was pretty smart about ways to kind of build a startup and entrepreneurial uh, economy. And one of the things he explicitly suggested was not to build a tech center. He said, do not do this. The whole if you build it, they will come philosophy doesn't work. Don't do it. And so then, of course, 
a month later, Clevelanders are going around saying, we're going to build a, a tech center. And it was premised on this idea, which sounded cool, by the way, that it was going to include a CMSD, uh, that's a, a Cleveland Metropolitan School District school in there, a K-8 to school, which would be kind of tech-oriented, tech-focused. Um, it would include, according to Bernie, uh, the blockchain divisions or high-tech divisions of major Cleveland corporations. It would include space um, for fledgling startups. I mean, as few as two or four people working in small spaces. And if you talk to the accelerator folks around town, they talk about it as a, a collision space where just cool ideas can bounce off each other. And so as an idea, as a premise, it's neat, but it's all imaginary. You ask him, so like, oh, how's the, how's the school idea coming along? And Bernie says, oh, it's all in my head. Or, oh, what companies are going to occupy this tech center? Oh, well, there's no, you know, that's, that's down the road. We don't know. But they're spending millions of dollars potentially to build this thing that may or may not have any tenants, which, by the way, we've done before in Cleveland. So I'm like, oh, my God, are you... Don't please don't do this again. And of course, they're going to be going after tax abatements, probably tax increment financing, uh, new market tax credits, uh, the Opportunity Zone financing. So it's like getting every possible tax credit on the books, which is, you know, that's a subsidy from taxpayers to build this building that may or may not bear fruit. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And hey, look, in fairness, Sam may not know all of the information that there is to know. I mean, maybe there are commitments to fill the space. Maybe there won't be taxpayers funding the project. We don't really know that part of it yet. But Sam's just sharing his take based on what he's seen happen in Cleveland in the past. And he was just getting started. The other one, which was a, a more pointed concern, um, was a question of equity. And this came up in when I started covering the Blockland Initiative in a more direct way uh, in late August. Uh, there was a guy, a, a local barber, actually, named Waverly Willis. And um, he asked a very sensible question, which was, how do ordinary blue-collar Clevelanders get involved in Blockland? Like, what can we do? Like, we don't have any tech sophistication necessarily. What are we supposed to do? And to me, and I wrote this, the, the obvious question wasn't how should they be involved, but why should they be involved? What the leaders involved in the initiative haven't been able to articulate, I think, is how this is going to positively impact uh, Cleveland's poor and working communities, which they say it will. And so to me, it's not enough for them to say, we don't want to become San Francisco, which has terrible wealth inequality, or we don't want to become Seattle, which has all this, all sorts of housing displacement and what have you. We're going to do things differently. But then if you ask how, there's no, they have no response. Um, and the question is, okay, so you want to build tech into the educational framework or something? That sounds fine, but... Is this really going to lift all boats or is this are you just trying to give free money to blockchain adjacent startups? And by the way, make the county consumers of products that Bernie Moreno himself is substantially invested in. So there's a lot to digest there. Sam's concerns seem more to do with whether this is right for Cleveland, like as a society. Forget whether blockchain is the answer, but will this effort actually help the everyday resident who, you know, they may get asked to fund this entire effort? Yeah, exactly. Because according to Sam, we've seen this story play out before in Cleveland with many other grandiose plans that were meant to lift everyone up. And at least in Sam's opinion, those efforts have always missed the mark. And Brian's concern? His was more on blockchain itself. And the people that I've heard who've questioned the initiative, it's sort of been a combination of those two criticisms. So how valid is Brian's concern? Well, honestly, I mean, it has merit. 
Recently, Merle Tech, a technology research firm that monitors trends in emerging technology, they reached out to blockchain companies about their work, and they found that 43 of the 43 of them had promised big and delivered next to nothing quite yet. There are also skeptics of the technology, like Paul Ford, who wrote in Business Week, most things that the blockchain promises to do can be easily done with other technologies. The blockchain freaks have a world in their heads, and they won't rest until it's real. There's also been doubt about the true security blockchain provides. Michelle Fink, a lecturer in EU law at the University of Oxford, is quoted in Business Week in an article entitled, Is Your Blockchain Business Doomed?, stating blockchains, as currently designed, are actually incompatible with GDPR. In general, encrypted data is viewed as personal data, making much of blockchain susceptible to GDPR regulation. This may lead to redundant systems, though, as companies have to then build traditional databases to manage personal information, and then they have their blockchain databases or blockchains, um, which can't hold any of that information. Also, the way a blockchain classifies identity, blockchain address pseudonyms, they're only secure as the systems that are used to actually protect them, meaning any of the websites or apps that you use, they could know who you are if that chain's broken. One crack in that global system and all of your personal blockchain items could be publicly linked back to your actual persona. And that's that can be very dangerous. Yeah. And when you dig into many blockchain companies, It does become obvious that they're only using part of the blockchain, and there are sound arguments that state if you're only using some of it, then do we need it at all? Is it still blockchain if you're only incorporating a piece of it, a piece that, for argumentative purposes, could be developed outside of a blockchain? Time will tell because we don't really know what will happen with blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies. In five years, we may be obsessing over something completely different, or we might realize that blockchain is the new internet. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you today by Gusto. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially for small businesses. You don't have the time to be an expert on things like taxes and regulations. And there are old school payroll providers that exist, but they're just not built for the modern business. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. Now, again, there is some competition for Gusto out there, but Gusto actually has a lot of things going for them. PC Mag and Fit Small Business, they've called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto makes payroll a breeze. In fact, 9 out of 10 users say Gusto is easier to use than other payroll solutions. And Gusto definitely saves you time. 72% of customers, they actually spend less than five minutes to run payroll. I know a lot of people that spend way more. Gusto is reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching. And if you don't believe it, just Google it. People love Gusto. And how often do you actually love your payroll provider? Almost never. Most small businesses, they don't have an HR expert, but you don't need one to use Gusto. With great software and great service, you can focus on your business, not on your payroll or your paperwork. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com forward slash rocket ship. That's gusto.com forward slash rocket ship. We are witnessing the birth of like an entirely new way of human governance where it's going to be more fair, 
it's going to be more equitable. We're going to have more people who can realize their potential, who can be able to pursue their opportunities. So this episode, it may be seen as a bit of a downer as far as the Blockland Initiative is concerned. Well, maybe so. And look, Bernie has called the effort a moonshot, and that's probably what it is. I mean, we don't know if blockchain is really the future. I don't. But if Cleveland really did want to stake its claim as the blockchain epicenter, it has to be early, don't you think? I mean, if it waited until it was already established as a widely accepted technology. If it establishes itself as a widely accepted technology. Yes. Okay. If. But even then, it'll be too late. It's probably true. And I will say, Sam wasn't overly critical about everything. I mean, you heard the Blackland Solutions conference that took place in December. Well, Sam was there too. I did go, as you say, and thought it was a was a huge success as a corporate conference. Sure. I mean, as, no, as nothing more than a successful conference, it was really good and should be celebrated as such. I mean, it was smoothly run. Everything happened on time. The logistics were super smooth. All the speakers were pretty good, I thought. I mean, yeah, it just went off basically without a hitch, which is great. And like I said from the beginning, if you're, if the goal of Blockland is to create kind of thought leadership on advanced technology in Cleveland, I don't really have a problem with that, assuming there's not ma- a major public ask. Um, and an annual conference on blockchain or advanced tech, especially if it's run as well as it was this first time around, I think is great. I mean, I got no problem with that. So there are some questions, but, you know, already some positive results to point to. For sure. And as far as the entire initiative, the grand big plan, is it all worth it? Well, I guess time will tell. And and speaking of the grand plan, next week we're going to hear more about that from the very architect himself. Bernie Marino. We will sit down one-on-one with Bernie to hear his plans and vision for Blackland in Cleveland, Ohio. And you're not going to want to miss it. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It's your support that keeps the show going. Rocketship.fm is now part of the Podglomerate Network. If you want to learn more about the other shows on the Podglomerate Network, go to thepodglomerate.com. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. If you go to productcollective.com, you could check out live video interviews, sign up for our newsletter, be a part of our Slack group with over 6,000 product people. Just check it out at productcollective.com.